I'm really excited about it and also keen to challenge that idea that playing big has to mean sacrifice. And I'm really curious about what it would look like to be ambitious, to have big dreams, to bring those dreams into the world, but also to do it in a way that allows enough space for the other important parts of the life. Welcome back. I'm Kathy Onetto, and this is the Sustainable Ambition Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be consciously ambitious and craft fulfilling work without sacrificing your life or yourself. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jessica Marathi Radpavar. Jessica and I are admirers of each other's work, as you'll hear. She serves as inspiration as someone practicing sustainable ambition and crafting a life with work that works for her. In Jessica modeling this for us, it makes it feel more possible for all of us to thrive in life and work. Jessica works in the world of sustainability, and she sees firsthand how building resilience is critical for impact practitioners who carry the weight of and champion making change in the world. As you'll hear her say, you can't drive change from an empty cup. If you like hearing from Jessica today, you might also like to listen back to episode 56, where I speak to Sarah Moore, a partner and director of brand strategy at Mission Minded, a brand strategy firm that works exclusively with nonprofits and foundations. But first, let's get on to today's episode. I'll formally introduce you to Jessica, and you can hear more from her and be inspired by what she is practicing in her own life and work as well as the work she is doing to support change makers in the world. Here we go. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jessica Marathi Radpavar to the show. Jessica is on a mission to help impact leaders drive bigger, bolder, more sustainable change. Through her company, Reconsidered, she creates content, teaches courses, and consults on ESG strategy and communications for leading brands and organizations, all toward a vision of a more thriving, just, and resilient world. She's had a varied career in the sustainability space and in a past life was a freelance travel writer traveling across 60 countries. So amazing. She draws inspiration and motivation from her native Chamuru and Italian roots, her upbringing in Guam, San Francisco, and Rome, and her toddler son's magical view of the world. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kathy, for the warm introduction. It's um, amazing to be here. I'm such a fan of this podcast. It plays such an important role in the ecosystem of business and sustainable business. And I um, am very grateful for the invitation. Thank you so much. It, As I said to you, it warms my heart to hear that. So I appreciate that acknowledgement. Well, as we get started here, as you well know, I like to often start with having guests provide background on their career. And you've held different roles across your career in the sustainability space. I'd love it if you'd give us a high-level review of your career journey, bringing us to this current life and work arc. How would you tell your story to bring us to where we stand today? Even though I know that's a loaded question, Jessica, and I'm asking you, like, and it's just the first. You've had quite a broad experience thus far. It's been a bendy road, I have to say. I didn't go into the working world thinking that I would end up here. Um, I had a childhood dream of being a 
teen magazine editor at Cosmo Girl. That was my North Star, <laughs> my guiding light for a good chunk of my teens and even early 20s. I had um, ambitions to be a teen magazine editor. And I, um, you know, was uh, really kind of driven and focused on that goal. And so, you know, did the right internships, kind of got to a place after graduating from university um, where I kind of had a, a strong foundation to enter the magazine world and then um, graduated into the financial recession. <laughs> um, and it felt like this moment in time when just everybody's plans were blown up, uh, mine included. Um, but, you know, as they say, when a door closes, a window opens. Um, because nothing was waiting for me in kind of the post-recession New York that I had planned to move. I wound up taking a bit of a, a break, a gap year after university and doing quite a lot of travel. Um, and that's where I got exposed to the sustainable business space. I had um, the, the opportunity to uh, freelance write for the Sundance Channel's website and um, was approaching the fashion and lifestyle world with a Sundance perspective, which is very indie and kind of unique. Um, and through that assignment, got exposed to so many interesting designers and social enterprises and artisan cooperatives that were doing just such incredible work in different parts of the world. And I feel like that was the the bug and I never looked back. Um, so for a while was writing about those topics kind of in a freelance way. Um, wound up going back to school to do an MBA to uh, kind of solidify my understanding of business topics. Uh, and say I went back to school to learn the language of business because even though I was a communications person, I felt like you also need to learn the language of PowerPoints and Excel spreadsheets and kind of the ways that businesses run in order to disrupt it. I um, ultimately wound up getting a role, um, an in-house role in sustainable business, uh, leading corporate responsibility, communications and stakeholder engagement at PVH, which is the parent company for Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein, um, and spent a couple of years there. Um, excellent training ground, learned so much. Uh, and there's a certain point, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit later, <laughs> um, just reached a, a kind of turning point where um, I decided to to take a step back um, and strike out on my own. And so I started Reconsidered, which is my current business, about six years ago. Um, and I um, work uh, with companies and with individuals. I like to say that our reason for existence is to help impact leaders drive bigger, bolder, more sustainable change. Um, and what that looks like practically is consulting around sustainable business um, strategy as well as communications and content strategy uh, but we're also really looking to build more resources for the impact practitioner community um, this is a community that feel, feels very near and dear to my heart it's my own community of practice and um, life's tough for this group of individuals let me tell you um, you know we'll we'll talk about it i'm sure in a little bit but um a community that I think um, could really benefit from a lot of the ideas that you're sharing, Kathy. And my hope is to to really help bridge the gap um, and and help to make the lives of people who are working in sustainability also a bit more personally sustainable. So that's what we're doing. That's <laughs> I think that takes us up to uh, 2023. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for that, and we'll definitely be touching on so many aspects of what you just shared. And before we get there, I do want to ask you about this because you have said you are a recovering overachiever. And I'm curious, what 
do you think drove you to overachieve perhaps? And then what led you to seek recovery from that? Yeah. Um, so one thing I didn't mention is that I grew up in Guam, which is a small island in the middle of the Pacific. It's a U.S. territory. And I um, had these big dreams. I wanted to be editor of Cosmo Girl. And, you know, for for a 12 year old living in a tiny island um, in the Pacific to, to say that. Um, you know, was was quite audacious, I'd say. And I knew that one piece of that puzzle, one crucial piece of that puzzle was being able to go to a university in the US um, and having a scholarship to do so because uh, we didn't we didn't have much money growing up. Not only is it just extraordinarily difficult to get into um, good universities in the US, but also if you're then going that extra mile to try to get scholarship funding, it becomes all the more difficult. And so I feel like even in high school, it was like, okay, not just enough to get great grades, but then you also have to, you know, medal in sports and be president of five extracurriculars and like any spare time you have, you're volunteering or starting your own businesses or, you know, it's just bananas what's expected of, of students um, in the, in the traditional educational system. So I think that part of it was learned that early. Um, you know, I had these big dreams and kind of the energy and the gusto <laughs> to go after them, um, but was doing it within this quite traditional, patriarchal, capitalistic system. Um, so, you know, I think there's there's a lot that those experiences gave me. I'm profoundly grateful. I, I wound up, you know, getting a full ride scholarship to go to Princeton. I got scholarship funding to pursue my MBA studies at NYU. You know, I'm profoundly grateful for the opportunities that were opened up to me because of my education. And certainly those overachieving tendencies took me very far and gave me a lot. Um, but I think I, I, at one point, I just kind of, you know, after the education, after getting the dream job, I kind of woke up and was like, are these tendencies really serving me in like other areas of my life where they're, maybe they're not really needed? And yeah, I think that was kind of the moment where it was like, hmm, you know, I can be grateful and appreciate and love those parts of myself that are highly ambitious and driven and go, 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 while also realizing that ah, it might be time for a different approach if I want to be happy and find peace. Um, so that's, I think, the the start of the journey to recovery. And I'd say that recovery journey is very long, very much ongoing, um, but, you know, a, something I'm committed to. Oh, I so appreciate you sharing that and just normalizing that for all of us. And I think that what I appreciate about what you're sharing, Jessica, is that you acknowledge that you are ambitious and that we can also become aware of what's driving those tendencies, but also, you know, there's an internal aspect that can drive it, but then also these external factors that can be at play as well. And that, that we can also have these moments in time where we recognize like, ah, I actually, I think I want something different now. And so, I wanted to come to you, you alluded to it um, in your introduction and your career overview. At some point, you made a choice to leave the corporate hamster wheel and to design your life. And I wanted to share, and you correct me if I get any of this wrong, you and your husband live in Amsterdam, 
And then in the winters, you live between Guam and California. And then in that, you're running your location-independent business. So how did you make that transition? And why did you make that transition off of corporate to starting something of your own? And then how are you crafting this life for yourself? And how do you manage it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it didn't happen accidentally. There was a lot of uh, intention that went behind it. Um, you know, I think, you know, speaking to where I left off and kind of having that aha around, um, around ambition, um, around the same time, I realized I was living in New York uh, before moving to Amsterdam, working for that dream job. And while it was very professionally fulfilling, while I had a beautiful, full, rich life, um, there was still something getting in the way of real peace and happiness. And, you know, there were some patterns that I continued to repeat again and again and again. Um, and so I decided to take a step back. I took a career break. And during the break, I picked up uh, the book Designing Your Life. Um, do you know it by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans? Yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, they teach a course of the same name at Stanford, or they used to at least. Um, it's all about how you can introduce product design principles into how you craft a life that works for you personally and professionally. And so they have kind of this framework for assessing where you are, um, experimenting with ways forward. And I think out of going through that framework at that stage in my life, um, a few things became really clear, a few opportunities I started getting really excited about. Um, so certainly, you know, living in a way that was location independent and autonomous. Um, my husband also was running, is runs a company, was running a company at the time that had made the decision to go remote a, first, a few years prior. And, you know, we kind of were dreaming, okay, what would it look like if we were to kind of go back to the drawing board and start from scratch? And so, yeah, we kind of had this, uh, this vision of living in Europe for a bit, living overseas for a little while. Um, this was six years ago. I think we thought it would be like a quick stint and it wound up sticking. Um, but, you know, we also are big family people. We love our families. We're very close to our families. Um, and so we also wanted to make sure that we could hold time, um, longer periods of time in the year where we could go to our respective homes, Guam for me, California for him, um, and and kind of get that quality time and work remote from those places. And hey, if it means missing Amsterdam winter, all the better. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the setup that we designed. Um, you know, we'll continue co coming back to it and assessing if it makes sense. Now we're traveling with the two and a half year old in tow. So, you know, it looks quite different than when we were kind of fully our own. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think that's the beauty of the approach and the mindset is that, you know, not everything is in our control. Certainly toddler parenting has taught me that <laughs> the hard way. Um, but, you know, there are elements of the experience that you can kind of tinker with um, and also seasons of your life that, um, you know, require different things. And um, yeah, I, th I think it's just exciting that technology and the world allows us to be able to, to, to design these lives in the way that, that we're able to. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about how you might have looked at ambition and success differently before parenthood and perhaps now with your son. It was a big transition for me. Um, you know, they say that when you become a parent um, and, and become a mother, you actually 
physiologically and psychologically, um, you're going through a period akin to adolescence. Like it's actually you change molecularly, you become a different person. You know, I, I think that that happened for me too. And, and happened in terms of how I view my place in the world, how I view reconsidered's place in our, um, in our um, sector. You know, I think for a while had also been very much thinking about um, uh, kind of playing big or, you know, bringing these um, creative ideas that I've been having to life as being something that necessarily requires sacrifice, that it has to mean time away from my family, that it has to mean um, things that are hard. And I think that was something that I was quite resistant to, especially in the first few years of being a parent. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to be there and also be able to take care of myself so that I could take care of my family. And so, yeah, it's, it's my son's two and a half now. I'd say it's only recently that I've regained some of the energy and headspace to start dreaming big again um, and start, you know, kind of being okay with being ambition and not feeling guilty that it was kind of, you know, to the detriment of my family life. And um, I'm really excited about it and also keen to challenge that idea that playing big has to mean sacrifice. Um, because I think I've had this kind of story embedded in my head for so long, because you see it glorified so often, the late nights, the working weekends, this kind of hustle culture. Um, and I'm really curious about what it would look like to be ambitious, to have big dreams, to bring those dreams into the world. Um, but also to do it in a way that allows enough space for the other important parts of their life. Um, so that's a bit my my inquiry at the moment. Um, but I'm excited that there's you know some of that energy back because I think for a while I felt quite stilted or uneasy about you know playing small. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And people sometimes do express that. I know in my with some of my coaching clients that comes up or conversations with friends where I say that we, you know, our ambition can ebb and flow. And when we are, you know, when it's kind of waning, we can be critical of ourselves as opposed to perhaps allowing it to be okay, that we may just need to go dormant for a little while. And in some respects for you, it was just perhaps that you were being ambitious about being a parent during that time. And that's just where your energy went. But they, I get that there can be tension there. And I'm curious if you look at that time now with a little bit of compassion for yourself as well, or it does sound like you're still also wrestling with it a little bit to kind of say, hey, it's okay that that big ambition wasn't there during that time. And that now you're, it sounds like the energy is coming back for that. And again, your exploration around, you know, dare I say, how do you go after your ambitions in a sustainable way? Yeah, yeah. And I love that idea that I think I, I, I have been listening to your podcast for so long and, and hearing you talk about those seasons of ambition, I think has been really, really helpful for me um, in my own journey. It's, you know, a bit kind of, you know, first just being able to verbalize, yes, and I'm, I'm ambitious. I, I dream big. I want to bring things into the world. I think already took a step. And then kind of as a secondary step was, but there are also seasons and there are going to be times in my life when I can kind of come at it with this big energy and times in my life where maybe some of that energy, as you said, gets directed in other ways. Um, but it can be complicated. It's not just as black as white and white as like 
yeah, I'm ambitious. I play big. I win, win, win. It's more nuanced than that, I'm finding. Maybe that's the thing that I'm <laughs> most surprising. <laughs> yes. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, Jessica, that it is more nuanced than many of us realize. So I appreciate you calling that out. Yeah. So I know you see sustainable ambition as being applicable to people working in the sustainability field. And before we get there, I wanted to get your perspective on how sustainable ambition relates to sustainability itself. I've had guests on who have made this connection between ambitions and driving for growth and wanting more things. Um, Plus, we're starting to hear people talk about human sustainability as part of ESG. So I was just curious if you had any thoughts on if you see a connection there at all. I absolutely do. Um, You know, there is, I think, this conversation happening about most of the irony that many in the corporate responsibility sustainability space are using the same um, tools and tactics and approaches to address this big task in front of us of trying to shift the way we we approach business where it's almost you know, you're using the same things that got us into this mess to begin with. And so there's this inquiry happening in the space, and I'm starting to kind of see it in different corners of it around, well, what if we were to use different models and approaches to driving change and not just the ones that are kind of part of our more capitalistic patriarchal um, society or ones that are might be considered a bit more traditionally masculine versus feminine in terms of, of, of energy. And so this is a conversation that actually I've had multiple times, even just this week, um, with different friends in the space. And I think it's it's a really interesting one and connects a lot to, to the, the way you've defined sustainable ambition um, here on this podcast and in the work that you do. Um, you know, yeah, looking at these goals and looking at these things that we need to accomplish in a slightly different way, perhaps softer way, perhaps more compassionate, perhaps more understanding of natural systems. Um, and so, yeah, I see I see a really big connection. Um, and in, in terms of relevance to the, the community of practice, I mean, there is truly a burnout epidemic in the social impact space. Um, you know, we, I see it constantly. I have teetered on it my, myself. I think that um, it's very easy, given the hugeness of the issues we're tackling, the complexity, the urgency, it really feels like everything on a sustainability practitioner's to-do list is a level 10. Um, And that's reinforced by the systems surrounding the space as well. Um, It's glorified by other practitioners who are, you know, kind of in the the hustle overwork um, mentality. And it's, um, yeah, it's not personally sustainable. It means that, you know, people are trying to drive change um, while pouring from near empty cups. My my concern or, you know, one thing I kind of see is, okay, well, you know, you have these incredibly smart, talented, uh, passionate people who are in these spaces. And, um, you know, if, if there's enough churn because the nature of the role is not, you know, kind of uh, conducive to a personally sustainable life, then 
Yeah, <laughs> we lose all of our people. We lose all of our warriors, um, and we need those warriors. We need them on the front line. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I see a really big connection and so much applicability. And I know we both talk about resilience as being a really important component of this. And so being a resilient warrior, if using your word, can you say a little bit more about how you think about resilience in this world that you live in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my background in, is working within companies to drive change. And a lot of the clients that I work with are also in those positions. So, you know, they're on these sustainability or corporate responsibility teams, um, or they're, you know, they sit on another team and they're trying to kind of, you know, drive change from their spot. Um, and they um, are really in roles of influence. They're not, they don't have the authority to make the changes. They're trying to kind of influence the people within the organization, um, embed this kind of thinking, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just a role where you are continuously having doors shut in your face. You're continuously, you know, trying to change minds and struggling because those minds aren't getting changed fast enough. And it's just, yeah, I think part of the nature of the job is that you're swimming upstream constantly um, and, and, and having kind of little and big failures on the regular. And so I think resilience plays a really key role here because, um, you know, not only does building up your resilience muscle help you bounce back from those um, setbacks quicker, but also... Um, having a growth mindset about those setbacks helps you quickly adapt and apply lessons from those setbacks to your, your next um, effort. And I think that's really vital. You know, we don't want to keep on trying the same thing again and again and again, and it keeps failing. We want to adapt, iterate, you know, uh, and, and continue, continue the good work. And so I think resilience is really key to that and building up that resilience muscle, the growth mindset. Um, so is grit and tenacity. I love that word tenacity. One of my mentors used it once to describe like her approach to change. And I just love it um, because there's also just has to be almost that like indomitable spirit to keep going and, you know, keep fighting the good fight, um, despite all of the, the setbacks. So, yeah, I think, I think they kind of under the resilience umbrella, but resilience, grit, tenacity are all really vital for, for change agents who are trying to drive change in mm. the space. So powerful. I am curious, like, what do you think fuels the tenacity? What can get people kind of committed to that? Mm. Um, well, I know for me, my my son is a really big part of my own um, my own tenacity or a driver of that. Um, you know, I um, I'm concerned about the world that that he's growing up in, and you know, I think we're standing in front of this profound opportunity right now, um, where it's still possible to avert climate catastrophe on a massive scale. Um, and where there's an opening also for businesses, it feels like there's momentum around ESG and sustainability issues that's happening on a more mainstream scale than I've ever seen it. Um, and so it's very motivating to feel that we're living during this unique point in human history where we have the chance to turn it around. And I think that's kind of what keeps me going and continues driving the ambition, frankly, because it's like, okay, like... <laughs> I want to be able to tell him in 30 years, you know, yeah, I was there. I was helping to kind of get this right. 
This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Sustainable Ambition 12-Month Workbook and Planner. Could you use a guide to help you get more clear and conscious about your ambitions and create a resilience plan to help sustain you as you stretch and strive for your goals? Here to help is the Sustainable Ambition 12-Month Workbook and Planner, the guide to building your personal resilience prescription for life and work. You can use the planner to help prioritize your life and work ambitions, create your personalized resilience plan, and practice and track your progress throughout the year. It's created so that you can start it at any time. So today can be the day. Learn more at sustainableambition.com slash books. That's sustainableambition.com slash books. Now, coming back to resilience, you kindly got my Sustainable Ambition 12-Month Workbook and Planner, and I wondered what was helpful for you to invest time in that planning at the start of the year? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I'm so grateful. Also, I know we were back and forth about getting it kind of in that crucial beginning of the year period when I was doing my planning. It was so um, such a powerful tool um, for thinking about the year ahead. Um, I uh, one of the rituals that my husband Dave and I do every year is an annual review. And actually, uh, his company, he has a, owns a company um, called Reflection.app. They've built up an app for guided journaling. Um, it's really amazing. I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, so yeah, Reflection's big around our house. And um, holding time for a more extensive annual review at the end of each year has become a really important ritual for us. Um, so, you know, we'll take the time to kind of look back on everything that happened over the past year. Um, you know, kind of assess where we are in a few different dimensions of our lives um, and then dream what the year ahead could look like. Um, and I think, you know, we use the reflection.app tools for kind of our look back. And then I use the Sustainable Ambition Workbook and Planner for my look forward. And I, what I really appreciated about it, um, in addition to all of the very thoughtful prompts and um, and questions, um, and, and kind of um, grids and matrices and frameworks was also that there was, were a few pages where there was blank space for um, imagination and sketching and getting visual. Um, and so I actually really made use of those as a way of processing um, the past year, harvesting those lessons, you know, kind of, you know, in that resilience oriented way, and then using those to dream what the year ahead could look like, and then, you know, taking kind of that more imaginative big picture um, look and being able to translate it into actionable month by month steps was really, really helpful. Mm, that's great. And then you noted that you're also using some of these Life Plus Work resilience tools to kind of chart out your next five years. How is that working for you? Yeah. Um, well, certainly thinking about those seasons of ambition, I think um, when thinking in a five-year time frame um, is really important because I also, you know, uh, we're hoping to expand our family in the years ahead. You know, I'm realizing that some of this newfound energy and space that I have now that my son's two and a half might not always be around. And so I think just thinking, being able to think about the next five years and with a level of planning and organization, but also enough slack and flexibility that, you know, 
if things happen, then, uh, you know, we can kind of adjust and course correct. And so I think that's that's certainly a lesson that I've taken away from it. Um, and also, frankly, thinking about this next year as um, investment in, you know, setting up, um, setting up offering, setting up programs, setting up ways of working that can also sustain um, if I have to take a step back temporarily. And so, yeah, I think there, there's many ways that this is, is kind of able to be applicable to a five-year timeline. I really appreciate that and how you're thinking about like, well, what is this year for, right? And kind of like starting to establish with that longer horizon, uh, you know, what do you need to kind of put in place now, the structures you need to put in place now to then continue to support yourself and make it more sustainable going forward as you enter, you know, further out years. So I appreciate that as an example um, of kind of pacing and planning ahead and putting structures in place to support your own sustainability. So it's really great. Um, With that planning then, Jessica, I'm curious, what is your current or next ambition? Like, what are you focused on beyond kind of like, putting in place these structures right now in kind of this investment year, like as you step into this bigger ambition that you're feeling right now or this bigger energy, like what what has your focus? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am really excited about building more programs and offerings for our community of practice. Um, so the the community of sustainable business and social impact practitioners. Um, like I mentioned, I feel like this community is such an incredible, so smart, so passionate, so just, you know, really a a profoundly amazing group of people um, that's being underserved, that, you know, they're working their butts off trying to drive change um, in all different, you know, arenas uh, that need, where they need to take place. And it um, can be a thankless job. It can be a very difficult job. It can be a very under-resourced, low-paid job. And so I'm just really kind of asking myself, what can we as an organization do to make the lives of impact practitioners easier? And I think that spirit and intention is behind everything we're building out for the year ahead. So, you know, I uh, launched my first course last uh, year. Um, This is a culmination of, um, you know, quite a number of of years of, of research and thinking about the skills that highly effective change agents um, need in order to to drive that change while also, you know, keeping that confidence and joy and ease in their work. Um, so we're launching the second cohort that has a lot of energy at the moment. Um, we're also going to be introducing a, co- a membership community for sustainable business practitioners that we'll be launching in the year ahead. Um, so yeah, I just, I really, you know, hope that we can build things that that are really practical, really tangible, really again, help make the lives of the people who are fighting the good fight a lot easier and just demonstrate that we're in their corner and bring them together and, yeah, serve them. That's, that's kind of my ambition at the moment. Mm, I love that. And potty and training. Early. And potty training, too. Oh. <laughs> I should say. That's a very important one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, I was also going to say earlier when you were talking about resilience and, you know, even getting that tenacity that we can often find that in community. And so I'm so thrilled to hear you say that you're creating that space for people so that collectively they can find both that tenacity, as I said, and that resilience and working together and being together and supporting each other. So it's really wonderful. 
I was curious too, like in what you've kind of like set up in your planning, is there a current practice that you're playing with to sustain your own energy right now? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so with this year, uh, it felt like the, uh, because I was traveling a bit at the beginning part of the year that actually March 1st was a bit my like, okay, you know, January 1st, my start of the year. Uh, I So I've introduced this kind of new um, really workout kind of regimen that I'm really excited about where I'll start the week on Mondays with kind of a more high intensity. Um, I really like kind of cycling, spinning type classes. So that Monday morning, I kind of have a regularly scheduled um, cycling class that I'll go, you know, high endorphins, great music, like, okay, let's start the week off right. Um, and then Friday mornings uh, help wind down the week with um, a yoga class, um, you know, just to kind of help ground and, and prepare for the morning for the, the weekend. Um, and I'm really excited about this because I've, I struggle a lot with um, finding time to squeeze in workouts during the week. And I feel like physical activity and movement are so important for my state of mind, my physical health, my, you know, just it helps to prevent like migraine, you know, it's, it's everything. And I just, yeah, sometimes I get so caught up in the, <laughs> the, the week that I, I lose the time to, to be able to do those. And so, yeah, kind of having them bookmarking the week um, feels like a really nice practice. Um, and I'm also just excited about kind of this um, seasonal living um, or yeah, seasonal working um, approach. So uh, we took a bit of time off over the holidays, over the winter, and hoping to do another extended break um, in August and, and hope to maintain those. So to have there be kind of a nice chunk of time twice a year to fully take off and, and with a bit of intention also, um, you know, so it's one thing to have just kind of like a, a vacation and plugging, but, you know, to approach those with a bit of, you know, okay, I'm going to um, take Instagram and LinkedIn off my phone. I'm going to like set up out of offices on even my WhatsApp. You know, I'm going to kind of like do what I can to make those um, breaks kind of serve the needs that I'm feeling. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do that a bit more too. Well, as we wrap up here, I just want to acknowledge just how it's just such a joy to speak with you and to be in conversation with you, Jessica. And I am thrilled about the work that you're doing and championing for your community and holding the space and going to create the space of the community even to really support them around living a more sustainable ambition life in the sustainability world um, and helping them to build their own resilience around it. It's so needed. We need these warriors in the world. You're right. We, we, can't, we can't afford to not have them be on the battlefield, if you will. And I don't know if I love using that term, but you know what I mean. Fighting the good fight yeah. is really what I should be saying. So just to close out our conversation today, I just want to ask as a final question, just what's a final takeaway? or perhaps guidance you'd love to leave our listeners with. I also want to thank you for all of the work that you do. I've been so impacted by the ideas that you've um, you've introduced into my life over the past few years that I've been listening to your podcast. And I'm also so excited for more sustainability practitioners to be able to get exposure to, to your ideas. Um, you know, I think my my takeaway or um, you know my my message to to that community is really um, 
that right the systems that got us into this mess aren't the systems that are going to get us out of it and we can talk about that on this kind of grand systems change level but it really starts from within and um you know this is something that i've only kind of come to recently and and so i'm at the very very beginning of the journey but i really do um, see a relationship between the sustainable ambition principles um, that you share, Kathy, and also natural cycles in the natural world. And so if we can kind of, you know, bring those together and um, change the way that we're approaching change, then my hope is that we all and the world will be better off for it. Mm. I love that as a message and to really focus on, I was thinking this, the common expression of what, like what got us here is not what's going to get us there, you know, in terms of we need to change something. And I really appreciate you championing that message. So Jessica, if people want to get in touch, where can they find you? So um, the website um, for the my um, organization is reconsidered.co. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, um, less so on other social media channels. So you can also find me at Jessica Marathi Radparvar. Um, we also have a LinkedIn group that's been named one of the platform's most engaged groups. It's called the Reconsidering Business LinkedIn Group. Um, so you're welcome to join that. And um, you know whether you're in the space or curious about it, um, it's, a, it's a really nice engaged community for resource sharing. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much again for this conversation today, Jessica. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation for all that you do. I love the work that Jessica is doing. And as I said at the start, how she is modeling a sustainable ambition approach to living and working. A few themes stood out to me from today's conversation. First around her career. I appreciate in Jessica's story how serendipity played a role in her finding the world of sustainability. That's sometimes how it happens with our careers, where we happen upon things and we need to be paying attention. I love that she leveraged active breaks to make pivots and how her career has taken on different arcs. The second thing I wanted to call it is that ambition is okay. And it's okay that ambitions ebb and flow. It's okay if you're putting your attention elsewhere for a time, like towards becoming a new parent. That is a really worthy ambition for one to take on and to put their time and energy to. And it's also okay to step back into having big ambitions. And that doesn't mean that having ambitions has to be incongruous with sustainability. You can put in place structures both around your big ambitions and sustainability to make it work for you. Now, this does take work, as you hear from Jessica. It takes intention in crafting your life and work. Along these lines, I love Jessica's challenge, where she said, I'm also keen to challenge that idea that playing big has to mean sacrifice. I love how she is holding having big ambitions and have it not have to mean overstretching, while she still remains tenacious and committed to her purpose. The final thing I want to pull forward for any changemakers and those who want to make an impact in the world is to reflect on what Jessica is championing with her own work. As she says, and I repeated at the start, you can't drive change from an empty cup. Building up your resilience is key. And when you're thinking about that, consider new models to do so. 
what got us here won't necessarily get us to a reimagined future, both when it comes to sustainability and in crafting life with work. So as you reflect on today's conversation, I'll leave you with these questions to ponder. As you think about your work or career, what is this current work arc about for you? What big ambition might you be holding? And what might it look like for you to go after that while keeping life and work sustainable and not where you're sacrificing? And finally, what new model or practice might you want to put in place to support building your own resilience? I'd love to know what you think as you reflect on those questions or what an insight or inspiration might have been for you today. If you're open to sharing with me, shoot me a note at podcast at sustainableambition.com. I'd love to hear from you. With that, thank you for being here for today's conversation. I'll be back in your feed in two weeks with a new story of sustainable ambition. See you soon.